What's up, guys, and welcome to the Married Life Podcast. This is a weekly podcast designed to help build stronger marriages, to create stronger families, to form stronger communities. And in case you missed the conference or any of the other sessions, you can actually go back right now and listen to those on the podcast and hear those right in order. So without further ado, let me introduce Pastor Dave and Pastor Vanessa Gargano, the lead pastors of Road to Life Church with Session 7 from the Married Life Conference. Pastors Dave and Vanessa have been married for 24 years years and have three amazing children, one son-in-law and two grandchildren. They are the co-lead pastors of Road to Life, a thriving, life-giving church in Northwest Indiana. With their passion for Jesus, love for people and entrepreneurial spirits, it's no wonder their three locations, thousands of salvations and explosive growth has made such an impact in this community. Please welcome to the stage your pastors, Pastors Dave and Vanessa Gargano. Hey. How are we doing, church? How are you? Welcome, welcome. Great. Come on, wasn't that good? So good. So good. Before we move into it, I want you to get your phones out because I believe some of you go to Road to Life and you know uh, Joe and Chrissy and you heard about the marriage conference, but get your phone out and go on Instagram and like the married life. Go on Facebook and follow the like the uh, married life and also get on iTunes or whatever you have. If you have an Android, we'll pray for you. But if you get iTunes, you can, I'm sorry for the Android people. We love you. We really do. But get their podcast and follow that. So just be a part of this so it can continue because man, they put out great content. They're helping people. It's awesome. So have you guys enjoyed yourself so far? Do you feel like you're growing? You feel like it's been a good investment? Um, these kind of, uh, these kind of events are an amazing investment into your relationship and you're not going to regret it. But again, it's the Bible communicates, don't just be a hearer only deceiving yourself. You've got to be a doer of the word. You have to put it into practice or else it, it will have no effect in your life. Okay. So these are great. And you know, uh, hearing from pastors, Mike and Julie, uh, we actually received them in crisis about, um, what, five years ago when they came back from New York and and, uh, and they were at a pivotal time in their life and in their relationship. And so we had a decision to make, and they came in our office, and we said, we're either going to dismiss you from ministry based on the decisions that you're making, mainly Pastor Mike, or we're going to walk you through this, and you are going to understand that you are a Brian Houston, right? You're not a Johnny Cash, and you are going to get yourself help and get yourself together and figure out what are the root issues here, and aren't you glad that God did a 180, and Mike made some important decisions, right, and he turned it around, and so now his girls have him, and, and they actually live a very healthy life and have me, a healthy let me marriage. Let a couple things okay. that I learned so far, because we're, we're closing it out. You guys are going to get out early, but not, hopefully you're not excited about that, because it's been great, and you don't want to leave, but I want you to implement the things. But some things I learned is, Pastor... Mike and Julie, you know, when they talked about he was breaking plates, when we got married, we didn't break plates. Let me tell you what we did. We didn't do dishes. And so we would throw the plates away. This is the truth. Like 20 years old, they would get so crusty, we would throw them away, and then we'd end up buying paper plates. Then we'd have somebody get us plates, and then we would not do dishes. Like, we were horrible. We did. So the plate thing wasn't our issue. And then Shannon came up and told us we sucked. Wasn't that great? You suck at so many things. And he talked about boobs. Come on, guys. That was great greatness in church. I love that was, I mean, I, I got notes on notes just on that yeah. one. I'll, I'll share those with you, babe, later. Thanks. And then, <laughs> and then uh, Joe and Chrissy, knowing them for years and years, yes. I mean, for, from the too far Joe to the 
the Dairy Queen Joe to the them coming to church. And I was I was a pastor and a worship leader at that time. And I remember Chrissy sitting on the front row with his mom oftentimes, and he wasn't even there, just seeking God and how they both separately after all of that and God brought it together. I am so proud of you guys. Let's yes. give it up for them again. So Come on. proud of you. Woo! Yes. Yeah. But we're just, we're actually just going to take a couple of minutes because uh, we know you ate and so, you know, all that food is starting to settle in. But, um, but we just didn't want to leave you without just depositing something. You know, after 25 years in marriage and 25, well, 20 years in ministry and, uh, and three children and two grandchildren, we've learned a few things, okay? And just like several of you have learned a few things, but nobody that was on the stage this week are here because they're awesome communicators or they're great, which they are those things, but they're there because they've chosen to pursue the Lord, right? They've walked in some disciplines and, um, and we want to learn from people that are winning at certain areas in life. Isn't that true? And so, um, and so what they deposited was really, really rich, but I want to start we're actually going to talk about, um, for a couple minutes, we're going to talk about some love suckers and some love savers, okay? Some love suckers and some love savers. And so Proverbs 18.22, I'm going to read that first, and Chrissy, I think, read it, but it said, he who finds a wife uh, finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, for all the women in the room, because I'm a woman, we do vital women, yes, that's true. But it doesn't say he who finds a woman finds a good thing. It says he who finds a wife finds a good thing, right? And those are two very different things, okay? Just like uh, fathers and dads are two very different things. So um, you can be a woman, but you, you may not have the attributes of a wife. It's really, really important that uh, you understand as a woman, it's important to learn what is the role of a wife? What does a wife do? Because the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So I'm going to give you, we're just going to give you a few practical things that are love suckers because we don't love to have things that suck the life out of us, right? We want to uh, grow in our relationships and grow in love and grow in those type of things. So the first thing that is a love sucker, okay, these are the things that you want to be aware of is predictability, okay? Familiarity. Sometimes we get so familiar with each other that we don't, um, we don't value it anymore, okay? For instance, uh, we used to be youth pastors. We were youth pastors for a long time, and we had an amazing student ministry. Hundreds of students. It was, it, it was an amazing place to be, but every once in a while, we would notice our students getting really, really comfortable. So we would take them in a 15-passenger van, one by one by one, and we would drop them off with not a friend by themselves, like our core students, and we'd take them to other youth groups, and we would dump them there, and we'd say, you go in, and you be a part of their student ministry, and these are the questions you're going to have answered. How long does it take before someone says hi to you? What kind of experience did you have? How did your, the environment feel? Blah, 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 and they would come back, and every single time they'd say, I'm so happy that we have the student ministry that we have. Sometimes familiarity breeds contempt, right? And you get so familiar with your spouse, you're so familiar with your everyday and your routine that you begin to take it for granted. And we never want to take our spouse for granted because they are a blessing, 
Isn't that right? And so you always want to kind of live with the perspective and mindset, what if I woke up and they weren't here tomorrow, right? What would that be like? I don't think we, uh, we do this enough where we stop and really contemplate what would my life be like if they were not here, okay? And so we definitely don't want our lives to be predictable. We want to be steady, but we don't want to be stale. You want to be steady, but you don't want to be stale. So just make sure that you don't live a completely predictable life. You know the Amazing Race, we used to watch it all the time. And one of the episodes or one of the seasons was so interesting to me because they threw couples together that had never met before and, uh, and to race around the world. So they had, you know, they had a season where they had married couples and they were racing around the world and, um, and they didn't do very well. But then they brought these couples together. They threw them together and they said, you're going to race around the world. And, um, and they actually it was a mixed show. They had married couples and they had ones that didn't know each other. And so the ones that didn't know each other actually did better because they had no expect, they had no like, uh, you know how Jesus, when he went in his own town and they said he can't do many miracles because, you know, they knew him too well, right? So sometimes we get to know our spouse and we think they can't do that. They're not going to do that. We start talking that way. But the people that didn't know each other, there was no limitation. They're like, you can do it, you can do it, you know, because they hadn't seen them fail in any way before. So they were like achieving and they were winning. And I think we have to remember that in marriage. Sometimes we limit our spouse because we've become too familiar, but they can do a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? And maybe they're not trying because they feel afraid of being shamed or they're afraid that they're going to get made fun of or um, so we have to definitely be careful. About Doing a lot of new stuff, baby. Another yes, love sucker yes, yes. is asking why. Why? You, you know, you, you ever kids who just ask you why and it drives you crazy? Like why? I mean, Chrissy gets it. Like I. Gotta, why are we doing that? Why are we going there? My why? son, I'll be like, hey, get shoes on. Why? Because I freaking said so. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, quit asking me. And then the next day, because I said so. But why? Well, why? Where are we going? Why? Why? It, you know what I mean? It's like. I'm paying your bills, I bought your clothes, get in the car, I'm taking you, I'm gonna feed you, don't ask me why. And oftentimes we do this in our relationship and it's really not having that trust factor and I think it's the worst. For me, this is something that drives me crazy in our relationship we've had to work through because the why and the questions and sometimes I'm like, is this digging for dirt? Is this a witch hunt? Is this an interrogation? Like why do you, like I'm open but man, it gets, I mean you know what I mean, it gets so, why? Well, where are you going? Well, what are you going to say? Well, man, just let me be. Let me live. I'm a little bitter right now. I'm just going to be honest with you. Listen, okay, so we had the Mike and Julie kind of marriage like the first 10 years or maybe 12 or something like that. It was a long time, okay? And so... I mean, last week we just got it right. Right? Just last week. We're doing better. This is a good week. Um, but in all reality... What happens is, you know, you break a lot of trust in that, in that beginning stages. Ours was mainly like financial and just trying to figure each other out. His mom was married eight times, so we didn't know how to do. I mean, in the life. beginning of our marriage, every time she pissed me off, I was out. I'm out. Well, because yeah. that's what I saw. That's the, I saw you just walk away. Maybe you come back, maybe you don't. That's just, yeah. and so after doing that for five years or whatever, then once we met Christ and we began to work, it was still that. Is he going to leave? Is it a struggle? And yeah. I wasn't, and that whole thing. And so 
that that interrogation will will suck the love and the life out of yeah. a relationship. Yeah, and it's good to have a why, like they talked about before. But a why is always good for contemplation, but never for interrogation. Right. Never for um, you know, never for investigation. Are you digging for dirt? Or are you digging for diamonds? Right? We should be digging for diamonds in our relationships and not digging for dirt. Okay. So another love sucker is a bad attitude. Okay, bad moods destroy good marriages. Let me just say this, and Jimmy Evans has said it before, sarcasm. Amen. What? Bad moves destroy days. And... Okay, all right, it's true. I mean, I have, I have my cycle too, so just know that. There are man cycles. There are man cycles, okay? I, I've realized, I've come to know. I, I come to, I'm like, this week, I'm in a cycle. There are man cycles. Where's the cycles. Hook me up. Yes. Man all. Okay, so bad attitudes, they destroy, uh, bad moods destroy good marriages. Sarcasm is a rude form of truth, okay? And it's like backhanding your spouse. So uh, I love that Jim Ammon said that because, you know, I'm married to a pretty sarcastic person, so Dave can be really sarcastic. He's gotten way better, okay? But in the beginning, he didn't want to just communicate truth so he would be sarcastic about it. And it was really just like truth said in a really rude way. And it's like covered up by humor. Do you know what I'm saying? You're like, you're trying to be funny, but really you're trying to be like, bam, right? Does anyone get me? Anyone feel me? Okay, so sarcasm is just truth. I was Try really good at it. No, you're not good at it. I it was, was mean. good at it. You're not good at it. Well, you know. So it's sarcasm covered by humor, but it's really hurtful, okay? And um, here's the deal. Forest fires can actually be prevented. You can actually prevent a lot of the things that are happening in your homes and the culture of your home. And sometimes we just think, man, it just like, no, you probably instigated something. Like they can be prevented. And I love that Dr. Ryan and Mackenzie, they say this. They say it's easier, uh, it's easier to invest in preventative maintenance than to pay to correct disease. Or, you know, they say it in like a better way, but it's less expensive to promote health than to treat disease, right? So doing things like this is a really good investment for you. And it's a lot better on this side than, you know, getting to divorce court or getting into counseling for 55 years. And you know what I'm saying at 200 bucks a week or whatever. Doing things like this is actually healthy for you. And it's less expensive than trying to fix it when it's like too far gone. Amen. Here's, okay? here's one. And this is a pet peeve. And, and maybe not all of you do this, but your marriage isn't made for the drama of posting for someone else's entertainment. Hey. Like the entertainment, like keep it off of social media. Take it to somebody that can help you in counseling, but keep it away from your girlfriend. I'm gonna tell my girlfriend, I'm gonna call the boys, I'm gonna go to the bar and talk about it. Like, it's not meant for that. I, you, you go through stuff, We're, we go through stuff, and, and, but it's not meant for that. We wanna get help, but keep it off of social media. Because what you try to do is you try to put it out there and belittle somebody publicly, but really it just makes you look little. It's true. It disqualifies the relationship, and what you're doing is you're scarring that relationship that further is gonna need healing on top of the healing that you already need, yeah. and you just keep putting yourself further and further back. It's not for other people's entertainment. Yeah. Don't reduce your marriage to a meme. Okay. And, you know, when we consider on the office and look at what people are posting, like, um, you know, subliminally about their spouses, when we can talk about it, you know, a hundred other people can talk about it and a hundred other people can talk about it, right? Your marriage, every marriage should be honored. And so reducing your marriage to a meme is a super disrespectful to your spouse. It's not honoring. 
and it's definitely not helpful, okay? Um, again, Proverbs 12:4 says this, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Woman, if you are posting about your husband, your fiance, your boyfriend, if you're posting things publicly, right, to either try to get attention or to get people on your side or to just look like the victim, I hate the victim mentality, okay? Hate it, I loathe it, I think it's disgusting. Deal with your crap with the Lord, right? But keep it off social media and have a little integrity, okay? Let's have a little integrity in 2019. Your relationship is not, uh, should not be a joke uh, to anyone else because it's private, right? And here's the deal, you're one flesh. So when you're attacking somebody that you say you love, okay, you're actually attacking yourself. It's like stabbing yourself and then expecting yourself not to bleed to death. You're stabbing yourself, right? You're not helping yourself. You're one person. You're one flesh. When two come together and consecrate a marriage, you are one human. So there is no, I'm going to get him. If you're going to get him, you're getting you. It, it is not helpful. So stop it. Another one. Uh, passive aggressive kind of goes along with that the passive aggressive I've seen you even on social media will post something that is a quote but I know it's directly lying to somebody you're jabbing in your relationship it's you we've know. done this okay done it. we are guilty okay we are guilty we've had to repent about it but how many of you have done it you have passed who's honest in this church right now okay amen right you know you're what like, I've done is she would do a, <laughs> she would do a post or something it was great it was like this is how you live, this is what God wants, and then she'll come in the room, you jerk off. So I'll send her the picture of the post. I'll be like, why don't you read your post, baby? It's a little passive aggressive, you know? Or it's such a, or you just have like a massive blowout, right? So then you find the most spiritual marriage quote ever, and then everyone's going, that's so good, that's so, but they know you are jabbing them because you just had a conversation your motive sucks, like you are evil, right? Like at the heart of it all, I don't care what you post, like God knows, like that was a dig, stop it. Like if it isn't honorable, right? We don't need to do it, why do we do that? We even take it further, so even in our communication with our spouse, that never is going to promote health again. True. So when we come in as a passive aggressive or anger or threatening, you're not gonna get the result that you want because the result is to have a good marriage. Like, I don't know about you, but I have not invested 25 years plus before that knowing this woman to try to go get a new woman and try to start over <laughs> and go through that hell again. I am invested. I am invested. All my chips are in, right? I don't have time to start over with some cute little girl that I'm gonna have to go through hell with. I went through enough hell with this one. How many know what I'm saying? It's just, I said this a couple weeks ago, I said our marriage is just getting good. Our life is just now getting good. Uh, I said, if you ever go try to find a new woman, I feel sorry for her, because I'm coming after her. And I would, you know, I would. And, um, and I said, Oh, heck no. I didn't pay 20 years of not going anywhere, have three kids, gain 70 pounds a child, have to, to have somebody else come and take all my good fruit. It is not happening. Like, I worked hard for this, you know? You said to the hell of no. <laughs> to the hell of 
That's what she said. That's what I said. Believe it. But see, we gotta we gotta control that. And so one of the fruits of the spirit, I think we often forget. Like I make a joke because my kids are um, Hunter and Jaden and Autumn, and all their middle names are Faith, Hope, and Love. And people say, "You want any more kids?" Absolutely. That I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. No, I don't want any more kids. But there also isn't any really good middle names. I can't like <laughs> self control is not a good middle name. Maybe patience, I don't know. But self-control is something that God gives us, and we need to understand that God gave you self-control. You don't have to say that thing. You don't have to make it worse. You don't have to be passive-aggressive. You could just sit back and say, God, I want to be like you. How do I change this in my spouse? And sometimes there's things that I, I know need to be changed in her, and there's things that I know need to be changed in me. But me going after that thing in a condemning, threatening way is never going to change it. I've been down that road. It doesn't work. The way to do it is take it God's way and say, God, what? And sometimes it's just praying for her or like, I loved what Chrissy said. Sometimes it's just, I'm going to step up and do it. And then they're going to follow because that's, that's what they do. What yeah. Do. Passive aggressive communication is actually a form of punishment. Mm. Okay. So you're actually punishing your spouse in a way that um, isn't healthy. And here's the deal. You don't want to speak to your spouse in a way that you would never want your children's future husband or wife to speak to them. Okay, so when you're speaking to your husband or your wife or your fiance, whatever, and you're having an argument, you need to think to yourself, if my child was ever in the situation, would I want their significant other to speak to them the way that I'm speaking right now? Because if you wouldn't want your child in that situation, you know, you're, you're a child of God. And you don't want them in that situation, okay? So here's another love sucker. Threatening your significant other, anger or the silent treatment, those are all forms of control, okay? Those are all forms of control. Dave used to do this a lot. He would threaten me, I'm leaving, I'm out, I'm whatever, you know? And it was just, it, you can't build trust that way. You are never gonna build trust. You're never gonna build intimacy. You're never gonna be vulnerable with a person that you feel like, well, next time they get mad at me, they're out or they're gone. So you're just always gonna, uh, you're always gonna kind of just- So what you would do is you'd go silent treatment, or she had the full armor of you're not getting any costumes. <laughs> she had it. Like, she got, she, she'd come in the room, and i just look at her, and she's like, I'm cold. I'm like, no, I get it. You got a freaking snowsuit on right now. I see what's happening. <laughs> I had my not honey today. I was like, it's like six layers. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, you said you're out, so I'm out too. All right. So, um... Yeah, so weak and insecure people threaten you with, I'm leaving. They have no skin in the game, right? Weak and insecure people will use the threat, I'm leaving, or as soon as you make me mad, or if you do this, I'm out. Uh, that's what a weak and insecure person will do. Strong and secure people commit to work through the process. Strong and secure people are, um, they are committed, and they're in it with covenant. They understand that. Do you understand? They go through the good times, the bad times, and sickness, and in health. And so here's the deal. Would you ever look at your five-year-old or six-year-old child and say, um, next time you don't eat your broccoli, I'm moving out. You're going to live here by yourself, right? We would never do that. Sometimes people will be like, would you ever say that to your child? No, I would never want them to feel insecure. I'd never want them to feel like I was leaving. Like I would never want them to feel that. But we use it with our spouses as a form of control and manipulation. And here's the deal. The only person the Bible says that you are responsible to control is yourself. There, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, not people control. And if you're using a threat or anger to control your significant other, 
you're acting more like Jezebel than Jesus, okay? And so, uh, you know what happened to Jezebel? She fell off a wall and got eaten by a dog. So if you want to use your, uh, if you want to use anger and manipulation and emotional abuse and all those things to control another human, because you want them at your becking like mercy, right? Oh my God, you're walking around eggshells all the time. That is manipulation. It's, it's, it's like demonic, okay? So we don't want to act like that. We want to act more like Jesus. Isn't that true? And so the only person we're responsible to control is ourselves. And we need to reel it in. Another sucker is, and I, I don't know if this is just mostly ladies, but guys do it too. But I want you to hear me when I say this. Negative self-talk. What I mean by this, and I look so, I'm, I'm so ugly today, I'm so fat, I'm so this, I'm so that. You, you, net, you talk to yourself down negative, and this is what happens. When you do that, your spouse begins to hear it and go, maybe she is ugly. Maybe she is huge, you know, maybe she is. And they, you begin to believe it, and, they begin, and what you're doing is you're creating an avenue or you're opening a way for them to say, man, I, maybe I need somebody else because you just hate yourself. You hate life. You hate, like, that's not attractive. We've got to be able to, if we can't say anything nice, we don't say anything at all, but that negative yeah. self-talk. If you need to talk to yourself negatively, talk to yourself in the mirror, but don't go in front of your no, significant don't do other. Take the mirror and go, man, I'm awesome, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> I Just tell yourself that over and over. Listen, if you... You wouldn't come to this church if you saw me looking in the mirror and be like, you see what's happening right here, people? <laughs> bounce, bounce, bounce. Yeah. What is that? You are not the one. I'm very optimistic in a lot of ways. So I, I'll look at my fat self and go, I see progress, not- bro. I see potential. Potential. I see potential. That's right. We marry potential. So, um, but, but in all reality, T.D. Jake said this once. He's like, do not talk your spouse out of being in love with you. You know, and, and you know what's attractive? God confidence. That's attractive. If I say, babe, you look so good. She's like, oh, I'm so fat. I'm so okay. Okay. You know, I hate that. I hate, don't do that. Like, we're not where we want to be, but man, I hate that. Just be like, thanks, babe. Take it. Just, it. just own it. You know what I'm saying? You are you, do you the best you can, but don't talk your significant other out of being in love with you. Because if you point out your flaws, they're going to become more noticeable. Isn't it true? Like, let's not do that. Let's point out all of the good things. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5 says this. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. I know, sometimes I'm so irritable. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It says love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Everybody say all. All. Love endures all things, okay? I love that Liam Neeson uh, Nielsen, he posted this thing the other day, you know, because people are like, love hurts, love sucks, love this, blah, blah, right? And he's like, no. He's like, betrayal sucks, and cheating sucks, and jealousy, and envy, and those things suck, but love does not suck. Love is actually the only thing that cures the world, right? It heals all things. God is love, and so uh, we should be inspired to love people because love, it always trusts, always hopes, always protects, and it endures all things, right? And um, so that's really, really important. So that was another sucker. One more, um, offense. 
Offense is a love sucker. We have got to learn to live unoffendable. Here's the deal. Uh, the best practice to living unoffendable, it, it starts in your own home, right? If you can learn to live unoffendable in your own home, because you have opportunities every single day to be offended by every single person in your house, and you need to train yourself. I'm going to have an unoffendable spirit. Like, Christians should be the least offendable people in all the world. And sometimes we get offended so easily. Here's the deal. We said it last week in the relationship series, and this is true. All relational conflict, every, every root of it, every root of relational conflict, you will see selfishness. You will see selfishness at the root on one party or the other, but at the end of the day, um, that's the root of all relational conflict, okay? So we have to choose to live um, unoffendable. Remember this, your broken marriage can hurt as many people as your healthy marriage can help, okay? Your broken marriage can hurt as many people as your healthy marriage can help. I don't know where we heard the statistic. I think it might have been Jimmy Evans or it might have been you, Shannon, a couple years ago. But do you know that a divorce does not just affect you? It actually affects the next seven generations. Seven generations! So how selfish is it to walk away, right, from a relationship, a covenant bond, because... You're just not happy, and you didn't want to work on it at all. You'll work on everything else, but you won't invest in the one thing that actually matters, your legacy, and a divorce affects seven generations of human beings. That's crazy. We have to be more concerned about kingdom and legacy and covenant and love and guarding and protection you know why the world is so intrigued by marriage right now? Because they don't see very much love anywhere. So as soon as they see a, a marriage thriving, which is the actual representation of the bride of Christ, you know, with the church, so that's what marriage does. It shows a model of what that relationship with God and the church is like. So when people see it, they're like, that's different. It's counterculture. They're attracted to it. You want to see revival in the earth? grow a healthy marriage. It's true. Period. Go ahead. Some lifesavers we're going to give you real quick. The first one we've kind of talked a little bit about, but speak life. I want to encourage you to speak what you want to see, to speak life into situations. Oftentimes, I, I, I have this weird personality where I'm an optimist, but I also sometimes say I'm a realist. Well, I, if I see something that's broke or going off the tracks, I'm going to say it's going off the tracks, but then I'll say, I'll be optimistic. We can get it back on and we can fix it. But I, some people are, like we said, those optimists that are like, it's going to be fine. The world's great. I can't stand that either. But I want to think the best or at least yeah. come back around to that. We've got to speak life. Yeah. Because when we don't do that, what we're doing is, again, we're trying to kill or stab our, our, our spouse with a knife and they're going to bleed out and it's affecting us because you're part of that. You are one flesh. And so expecting that, you've got to speak life into it. There's things that I speak, sometimes not even to her or to our situation, but just over it. I just speak, God, I know you're doing this. God, I know that you're changing or working in this area. I'm just going to speak life. Yep. And remember that the Bible's true. It says it's a truth that's going to set you free, right? But it says the power of life and death are in the tongue. Like you are speaking either death or life into your situation. So if you're like, oh, it sucks, I just live in this miserable thing, well, you're gonna keep reaping the fruit of what you say, of your words, you're just gonna reap the fruit of it, right? But if you say, 
we're working on it. It's getting healthier every day. We're spending time with the Lord. God's gonna work it out, right? As long as you're speaking, and because every word you say is a seed, it's getting planted. Every word you say is a seed, okay? And it's getting planted. And so um, you want to speak life. Susan, you like that. Praise God. Speaking against your spouse, again, it is, it, it's not doing you any good because you're one flesh, okay? Uh, the other thing, the second lifesaver is live loved. Whether you feel loved or you don't feel loved in your own home does not um, take away the fact that you are loved. You have a God who loves you, and we preached a whole series about living loved. And so if you will understand your identity in Christ, that you are loved, whether your spouse makes you feel loved or not, you are loved. And it doesn't change based on how they're showing it to you or not showing it to you. But when you know you're loved, you behave differently. You know, yesterday I took uh, my daughter and, and Fernando, we went to... Um, we went to some humane societies. We were just, you know, just to pet animals and love on them. And, um, and so we, we actually, when we walked in, these animals were aggressive and rowdy and scary. Like, we're like, you know, we're fine with animals, but we were like stepping back because they were so aggressive and so um, out of their element, right? And do you know when you don't feel loved, you're like this at home. You're snappy and aggressive and and rude and condescending, and you're just like, ah, you're lashing out. And when you feel loved and cared for, you're a totally different human. So sometimes you're not gonna get that from your spouse based on something they're personally going through. Stop expecting from your spouse to give you what only God can give you, right? Your spouse is not the person that is supposed to make you um, feel whole. Only God can do that. And so people are walking out on good relationships all the time because their spouse isn't completely filling their 100% love tank. I mean, they're going to do the best they can, but they're not perfect. They're human. And only God can do certain things in your heart. And we're expecting humans to fill a void that only God can fill, right? So if you were spending time with the Lord and becoming whole yourself, then, then you would feel loved regardless of how your spouse is treating you, right? You would know there's a depth. You would just know that God loves you and he's for you. And you're only gonna answer for you. Amen? Go ahead. I think that everything that we've taken in this weekend, and thank God for all the messages and the great things, and hopefully that you took notes and you're gonna apply those things to your life. That's important to apply those things because it's not gonna happen on its own. But as you walk this out, the first and the foremost thing that's important is to know that your relationship with Christ is the only thing that's going to fix a marriage. Like Pastor Joe said, no one's ever said, you know what, my marriage wasn't good until I started drinking. Boy, it got so good. No one said that. Like, my marriage didn't get good until I just got hooked on drugs and now it's amazing. No, but I've heard a million people say my marriage wasn't good until I got hooked on Jesus and it fixed everything. That's what our story is. And it's constantly fixing that. And so just stand to your feet for a moment. What we want to do today is I just want to pray over you. I believe that God wants to do something in our life. And maybe you're here today and your relationship with Christ isn't where it should be or isn't existent at all. I'm here to tell you that is the foundation. You cannot build a healthy marriage on anything but Jesus. You can't build it on your awesomeness or on the world that you came from. You have to build it on Christ. 
It has to be built because he defines what true love is. He defines, he, he made me, like I was raised in a home that I didn't know. My mom was married eight times, multiple stepdads in between, craziness, like psycho craziness, police at our house all the time. I get out of that, God begins to do a work. I get married, I, I find Jesus, but I still didn't know how to do anything. And, and I stand before you today, and I just hopefully I can give some of you hope today. I am a better husband and a better man and a better father than I ever was, but I am nowhere near where God wants me to be. And it's a daily step because I'm learning from God. I'm seeking God. And so I can look, I can look back. And sometimes my, my wife will say it, but sometimes she won't. And, and I do need that affirmation, but sometimes it doesn't always come when you need it. But I can look back and say, man, a year ago, I would have never done what I'm doing now. Like, I'm growing, and I want, it, I want you to know that. Some of you are like, man, I'm not there. I don't, I'm not, I don't pray at all, let alone pray with my wife. I don't, I don't know how to do this, or I don't know. You may not be there, but you can get there, and it's a step-by-step process. And I stand before you as a pastor of a church. I'm still figuring it out, working it out, trying to be that better, and, and trying to grow in that way. And God wants to do that in your life. And all you have to do is submit to it. Just close your eyes for a minute and bow your head. You know, your, your marriage has a 100% chance of making it. So if you're here and you think, eh, it's like so-so, like I don't, I don't know if we're going to make it. You have a 100% chance of making it. It's actually a decision. But you will have a really hard time making it without the Lord. I'm telling you, we have counseled a lot of people, and I do not know how people do marriage without Jesus. I honestly don't. Because at the heart and the, at the depth of who we are, we are just selfish human beings. And we want our own way. And the one thing, honestly, you guys, it feels like Dave and I have been to hell and back. Like, it really does. And we've, we've walked through what felt like hell several times. We've lost businesses together. We've had five cars repossessed. We've lost relationships with people that have been like family. We have, I mean, we've been through it. How do you get through all of that crisis and still be able to look each other in the eye? Some things were literally our fault just for being idiots, not responsible, just not stewarding our life well. How do you get through all of that crisis and can love each other at the end of the day and say, we're committed to each other. We're committed to this legacy. We're committed to the call of God in our life. I'm going to tell you, it is the fear of the Lord. There are still decisions that Pastor Dave makes. There are still decisions that I make that will we'll have arguments, will struggle. But at the end of the day, I trust his relationship with God. And he trusts my relationship with God. And we know that God is going to communicate with us. And because we walk in the fear of the Lord, it says walking in the fear of the Lord, it, it keeps your paths straight, keeps your feet from evil. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and a healthy fear of God, you will struggle. 
So it has to start there. It says the beginning of all wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We don't just need more books on relationships and self-help. and We need wisdom. And the beginning of that is a healthy fear of God. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, every couple touching each other in some way, if you know that this is an area of your marriage that needs help, your relationship with God, that is first. The Bible says if you will put God first, if you will seek him first above all things, then everything else, all the things that you guys are striving so hard to see in your homes, it will all begin to line up if he is a priority. But if he is like your last resort and not your first priority, you're going to struggle. So as an act of obedience to God, and no one's looking at you, just pretend like you're the only person in the room. If you know this is an area that God right now is nudging your soul, I want you to lift your hand and say, we need to grow in our relationship with Jesus. He has to become the first priority. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. When Jesus is the center, you will have a much better chance of love enduring all things. Thanks for joining us this week on The Married Life. For more content to help your marriage, go to Instagram and follow us right now at themarriedlife.us. And if you would do us a favor while you're here on the podcast, actually go subscribe, rate, and review us. Every time you rate us and review us, we actually bump up more on uh, iTunes or our podcast, wherever you're listening at, so we can help more people grow in their marriages. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.